right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to a special edition of the No Laying Up podcast. Short episode, short interview here. It's only got a shelf life of about a day as I did an interview uh, last week with Senator Ron Johnson from Wisconsin. We wanted to talk about the Senate hearing that's coming up this Tuesday, July 11th uh, The with Jimmy Dunn and Ron Price from the PGA Tour going to be uh, questioned by the Senate. I wanted to get a primer uh, with someone uh, involved in this. I reached out as well. We, we tried to track down Senator Wyden and Senator Blumenthal for a differing perspective on this uh, hearing and on what's going on. Uh, we were only able to track down Mr. Johnson. Did not hear back from anyone else that we reached out to. Really, obviously, trying not to have uh, politics be a big part of this show. I just wanted golf fans to have a, uh, a glimpse into how the government might approach this or might think about this. And, of course, uh, this is only Senator Johnson's viewpoint represented in this. Again, we tried uh, to get differing viewpoints and were uh, unsuccessful in doing so. But I think uh, the listeners will learn a thing or two about uh, what to expect tomorrow and, uh, and, and Senator Johnson's perspective on it as well. And I tried to speak like a golf fan. Uh, more so than a politics expert on this to try to get uh, get the best information we could out of it. There'll be no, no interruptions, no ads, but if you'd like to support the show, you can go to nolangup.com forward slash join to become a member of our Nest platform, uh, which gives you special special discounts in the shop. And the shop can be found at store.nolangup.com, uh, which is a lot of great strap gear that's up there as well. And obviously there's a lot of other benefits you can read about at nolangup.com slash join about uh, what you get out of a Nest membership. So without any further delay, here is Senator Ron Johnson. All right, Senator, we thank you for your time. I, I know a lot of stuff comes across your desk. Why did the framework agreement between the PGA Tour, DP World Tour, and the Saudi Arabian Public Investment Fund garner attention from the Senate? Well, first of all, it wasn't my choice. <laughs> uh, when when I, I was shooting the breeze with the reporter, I didn't realize he was uh, actually writing a story on this. And my comment was that uh, Congress ought to stay the, the hell out of it. And that's still pretty much my, my attitude. We've participated or were complicit in driving our, our national debt over $32 trillion. We're encouraged, incurring more than a trillion dollars worth of deficits. There's all kinds of problems facing this nation. Um, th this would not rank up in my uh, order priorities here, uh, although I'm highly interested in it. I mean, I, lo I love the game of golf. I wish we're a lot better at it. Um, I'm an avid fan of golf. Uh, love taking a nap on a Saturday afternoon. Uh, and kind of keeping one eye open to see, uh, you know, how it all breaks down the last uh, three or four holes. Uh, probably one of the first terms I remember was uh, when Roberto, I can't remember, Da Vinci, whatever his last name is, when he uh, signed the wrong scorecard at the Masters. And I, I think that that was the one where I, when I recognized the purity of the game and it's got rules and you got to follow those rules, no, ma no matter how ridiculous they may seem, those are rules established. And what I love about the game of golf is golfers follow them uh, scrupulously. And it's a, it's a real meritocracy. And, and if you want to understand my role in this thing is I want it to be constructive. And I want as best as possible for all the players, I mean, all, all the entities involved in this to maintain the purity of the competition. Because I don't, to, to me, the, the, the level of perfection and good fortune required in golf at the top levels is, is just something extraordinary. And I don't want to see that watered down. I, 
you know, when, when Liv came on scene and all of a sudden you started seeing a fracturing, you, you've got these great players who I've enjoyed watching. I've, I've enjoyed their integrity at each other's throats. So that was, it was a sorrowful day for me. That's why I, I haven't felt like there's been a whole lot of purity, at least at the highest level of professional golf over the last couple of years. That's definitely not the word that comes to mind to me. And I, I don't, uh, to be honest with you, Senator, I don't know if this agreement restores that or doesn't or makes it worse. I don't know the answer to that. I don't know how I feel about it. I think it's all complicated for a lot of people that have closely followed the game. But what I, I'm curious if you could kind of explain to our audience and, and to me, honestly, how, what, what, even if you don't necessarily think this garners the, uh, the, should garner the attention of the, of the U.S. government, why does it? What, what, what are some things that are going to be asked of the, the folks that are going to be there? We can get into some of that. But what, what, are, what is the government and the Senate hoping to get out of what's going to happen uh, this next week? Well, certainly it a legitimate issue for Congress to take up because literally the courts have been asking Congress to take up this issue for decades, probably for more than 100 years after the passage of the Clayton Act. That is supposed to prevent monopolistic behavior, it's supposed to ensure you know, commercial competition. Um, but sports competition has always been somewhat different. The goal of sports competition is to maintain competition in sports not necessarily competition from a commercial sense. And courts, as they review case after case after case brought from different plaintiffs, challenging these, whether it's baseball, whether it's, uh, you know, wh whatever major league sport that is being challenged based on uh, antitrust or, uh, you know, monopoly grounds, the, the courts have always deferred to, the, to protect the sports competition, which I think is interesting, even though they've said that this is clearly a violation of, of this section of the act, uh, it's it's necessary violation if we're going to have competitive sports that the fans want that that, that you know the public wants that the players want, and so it, it's possible that uh, Congress could rewrite something like the Clayton Act to recognize the different nature of competitive sports. But I think you could argue the same thing. You know, we need to take a look at our antitrust laws as relate to social media companies because all of our antitrust laws are are really focused in on consumer harm. And when social media companies are giving people something for free, uh, there, there's really no consumer harm other than the fact that they are controlling what content, what kind of news that uh, most of us are, are getting, you know, censoring content. But anyway, it's, it's a big complex issue. So, you know, the antitrust aspects of this, I think are legitimate, legitimate inquiry for Congress. But from my standpoint, it'd be primarily to exempt appropriately sports from some of the provisions of the Clayton Act. Again, and stop me if, if anything I say is uh, going off on the wrong tangent because I'm working on a, probably about 1% of the knowledge that most people that, that study antitrust have. But from, from my gathering, the antitrust exemptions that are enjo you know, enjoyed by the NBA, um, the NFL, Major League Baseball, there's a, an element of the collective bargaining agreement within that that I, that I believe gives some, some leeway to those exemptions, whereas golfers are independent contractors. And I guess a, a theory in this would be to say, all right, if there's a monopoly here or a, uh, an antitrust issue as it relates to the highest level of professional golf, it would be that there's no competition as for players as far as their compensation, right? If there's only one entity that provides the level of high golf, if that ends up being this company at the end of it, what protection do the players have to make sure their wages aren't being squeezed or something? Am I, am I on the right track in terms of what a consideration would be as it comes to this unique area of antitrust and as it relates to sports? Well, again, I'm not a lawyer myself, <laughs> and certainly not one specialized in antitrust. I think the only sport that has a true exemption is baseball. 
The other ones just sort of by tradition are, have been exempted in, in case after case after case where the courts will say, yeah, you're, you're violating that, but we're going to let you violate it because that's the only way to maintain competition. I mean, I would argue in terms of protection of the players, and I think this is one of the reasons why you know, players remain loyal to the PGA, uh, is they all recognize the only way they're going to command this type of compensation from the public is if they have a top tier competitive league. If all of a sudden this thing splinters into, and again, this isn't to denigrate the Corn Ferry Tour or, or other, other tours, they just don't garner the attention. The, the, the one that garners all the attention, that garners the sponsorship, that brings in as much money as, as the market will bring in, is the absolute top elite men's golf, okay? Uh, women's golf is doing pretty good, but uh, they're still not the level of men. So you're looking at the absolute, the, the cream of the crop competing against each other commands the dollars from the marketplace. The existential threat that the Saudis represented is they have pretty much an unlimited amount of money. You need to put this into perspective. The PGA, if you look at their 990, their, their net assets, their net worth is $1.5 billion. The Saudi public investment fund is worth somewhere between six and seven hundred billion. And the individuals that wanted to get involved in sports, in particular golf, pretty well made the commitment to spend whatever it takes to have a seat at the table. And it seems like that's what they wanted to obtain. And it seems like that's what they have obtained in this while maintaining the PGA's control over the game of golf. And that's where I think we get into a, a whole other aspect of this that I'm particularly interested in your perspective on what what the again I, I I recognize your position and that maybe you don't think the government should be involved in this but what are there bigger geopolitical elements in play in terms of the complicated I know we don't have enough time to get into the entire history the complication of the relationship between the United States and Saudi Arabia but. Are, are there other elements in play here to say, all right, this could be a concern from a national interest perspective, or this could be a good a good way to appease one of our allies in some way? I, I'm totally dense on a lot of that, but I'm wondering if you could provide any uh, any analysis on whether or not something might, like sure. that might be in, in play here. Listen, I, I certainly understand the concerns and sens sensitivities of the 9-11 families. I think it is interesting to note that the individual that uh, reached out to the Saudis, uh, Jimmy Dunn, lost 40% of his colleagues in the World Trade Center terrorist attack. And he was certainly open to reaching out to the Saudis when he recognized the reality that uh, the Saudis represent a threat to the game of golf as, as he uh, honors it. I think the other thing to point out, in general, foreign investment in the U.S. is a good thing. Uh, you want people willing to invest in your economy. That means you've got a strong economy. It means you've got enough freedom, enough protections that people actually want to invest their dollars. The reality is the Saudi, Saudi Arabia is the world's largest oil producer. Uh, we all use oil. We have to use oil. Uh, you, you, you need energy to power an economy. And so we're, we're, I guess we're all complicit. If, if, if you want to accuse the PGA of complicity of sports washing, I, I guess we all are because we use oil. And we're the ones that are filling the coffers of the public investment fund. So I think we need to recognize that reality. I would much rather have the Saudis investing their money in America than in China or North Korea or any other of our adversaries. So that's the political reality. Like it or hate it, I would say that the Biden administration's hostility towards Saudi Arabia has not worked out very well. It's pushed them into the arms of China. It's a real threat by the way, when you're $32 trillion in debt, 
for America to no longer be the world's reserve currency. It's not a good thing that now China is purchasing uh, Saudi Arabian oil using their currency. Uh, that is the greatest threat financially to the U.S. is if we cease to be the world's reserve currency, it's those kind of actions that uh, threaten that action. What are, what are some questions that you think are, are likely to be asked in this, in this hearing that we're discussing here? And I know it's going to be, uh, it's going to be Ron Price representing the PGA Tour, Jimmy Dunn, as well as a board member. Uh, what, what, what do you think is, our, uh, what, what's a goal of this hearing? What, what happens at the end of all of this? Well, again, uh, from my standpoint, the goal would be to give the PGA an opportunity to describe the challenges it faces in managing professional golf at the top levels. Okay, but then also beyond that to represent uh, or to describe the challenge that the existential challenge that uh, the PIF and and live represented to them. So they'll have an opportunity to do that. You know, from my standpoint, a good question would be, you know, how do you fairly compensate the top players of the game who are largely responsible for attracting the attendance, the viewership that brings all the money into the game for the benefit of all the players? Now, that's that's not an easy juggling act. I mean, first of all, you don't want players just showing up with appearance fees and not really having the heart in the competition. Uh, you want players primarily competing for that trophy, you know, whether it's a trophy of a major tournament or for any tournament. That That's what's such so beautiful about the game of golf. Uh, I mean, just look at uh, uh, the individual who won the U.S. Open. I mean, Cool, calm, and collected, making the putts until that final one drops. And you can just see the, I mean, the tension just coming out of him. He's, that is so much fun to watch. That's what you want professional golfers competing for. That moment, you know, having that love of intensity, that much pressure building up, controlling that pressure in those final shots, coming down the stretch, making the pars, making the birdies. You don't want him to say, I, I don't care. I make 10 million bucks either way. Uh, that could destroy the game of golf. What what is the uh, for again for people that aren't familiar with with hearings like this? What what happens at the end of this? Right? Is this an? Would you consider this to be an information gathering process? Is there a decision to be made at the end of this? Will you guys get in a room after this and and discuss the the findings from this and and figure out a path forward? Can you kind of play out how uh for 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 our audience here how this will play out over the coming weeks and months? I mean, the main purpose of a hearing is just that: is to give an issue a hearing. Uh, one that garners enough public attention. I mean, you know, I've, I've never spoken to to you before. Uh, obviously, people are interested in it. And so it, it'll elevate this issue and more people become aware of it. And hopefully uh, in, in the intricacies of the issue, uh, what, what is disappointing to me, I, I'm not of this world. I, I'm an accountant. I ran a plastics manufacturer for 30 years. You know, played in my, you know, you know club events, uh, in, enjoyed just being one other hat golfer like myself, okay? Um, but when, when it comes to these types of hearings, you want more people to fully understand the issues, not just the demagoguery, not just the rhetoric of it, uh, not, not the simplistic viewpoint, but you know, re really delve into it. And, and hopefully that's what these hearings can accomplish by having excellent witnesses that can fully explain their position. And anybody who really wants to tune in for the full couple hours will walk away with a lot more understanding of, of what it's at issue here as opposed to just the headlines. In case we don't get a chance to speak with Senator Wyden or Senator Blumenthal, could you maybe give the, our listeners a bit of perspective as to maybe what some of their concerns are or why you think it has reached the level of, uh, of, of needing a hearing from their perspective? 
you know, obviously members of Congress realize when there's an issue that can garner attention and uh, that the public maybe wants to hear uh, more of the details about. And so I think that's the, the, the best uh, uh, construction I can put on that. Uh, it's something the public wants to hear, wants to consider. Again, they're, they're legitimate issues regarding the antitrust provisions of this, you know, the, the uh, tax exempt nature of it is, from my standpoint, uh, pretty much a non-issue. It may be true that the PGA is tax exempt, but, you know, all of the money it pays out in salaries, that's fully taxable. So you know, it, it doesn't really make much money anyway. So its tax exempt status primarily allows it to obtain uh, donations tax-free as well. That's probably one of the, the main benefits of being a tax exempt entity is you can you can solicit uh, tax-free donations. For those of us that have tried to follow this agreement as, as closely as possible, we are seeking details. We have not been able to, No, almost no one has any details. I don't know if there are details of this agreement, so I'm expecting a fair amount of answers uh, this week, and I know you, you probably don't want to speak on this too much before you actually get those lack of answers, but I'm expecting some that's to be determined. We haven't worked that out yet. How difficult do you anticipate that being if there's not information ready for you guys by July 11th? How difficult do you see this, uh, you know, this process to be going forward? Well, again, I, I don't expect too many answers in terms of what the eventual deal is going to be because it's so amorphous. It, it's so difficult. Uh, there's so many entities. There's so many people with interest. There's so many people that are going to have to approve whatever deal uh, comes up. You know, from my standpoint, the, the main part of the deal was to get rid of the lawsuits, which you know, represented a, a f serious financial drain in the PGA. And, you know, faced with against, you know, hundreds of billions of dollars worth of net worth of the Saudis, uh, they really couldn't compete uh, in the courts. Um, so th that's the main issue. But the hearing will lay out what the problem was for the PGA. You know, why live represented such an existential threat? Why, after uh, a couple of years, uh, they felt uh, a need to reach out to the Saudis to figure is there some way we can end this madness, at least of the lawsuits, and that's what they've accomplished so far. And again, I, I thought it was very interesting that the lawsuits were dismissed with prejudice, which means they can't be reinitiated. So that's that's off the table. Uh, the fact that uh, I'm not sure this is definitive, but the way that the framework's laid out, that uh, the PGA re really maintained control over the competition of golf, I think that's a big win for the PGA as well. I, I think I think you guys assess this in your in your. Uh, podcast the day of the agreement was was met the saudis wanted to see at the table and they've achieved that now they paid a really high dollar for a seat at the table but if that's all they wanted there might have been a you know a little bit easier way of of doing it but, but there probably wasn't it's, that's the way they got the seat at the table and for the saudis uh, i i mean i agree with you guys also that it opens up uh, a contacts relationships of other businesses that sponsor these uh these golf tournaments. So there, there's all kinds of potential benefits for Saudi. I can't really read their mind. But from my standpoint, just the framework of this agreement, this seems like a, a pretty substantial, I'll call it win for the PGA. The, the, they don't face that existential threat that they've been facing for the last couple of years. And it, it also, from a standpoint of the players, the PGA has to waken up to the fact that they've got some players at the very top of the game that aren't real happy with the way it's run right now. And they're going to have to figure out as difficult as it will be, you know, how do you fairly compensate those top players, mollify the, the journeyman players, um, give them the opportunities, 
so so it all works out well. So so that uh, the top players get along well with the the the, the people trying to to rise to the top. I mean, that's the, the again the beauty about golf is just such a pure meritocracy. It really is when it comes to the competition. You mentioned the seat at the table there, and again, I'm curious uh, what what. Does is that an issue for U.S. national security interests, right? And I don't even know if I'm using the phrase right to say, you know, is is there any worry from a governmental standpoint of, you know, sovereign wealth funds gaining power in American sports uh, through this this medium, right? I mean, there's there's soccer stars that Saudi Arabia is signing up for huge amounts of money. Uh, I've, I believe I've read recently they're going after tennis soon. And uh, is that a concern, do you think, in any way or something that's going to, ele- you know, uh, be elevated at any point during the hearing or in the coming months? I, I don't think it represents a national security concern at all. I, I think countries, whether they're fr- friendly rivals or even adversaries, working with each other, uh, investing each other. I, I've often said, you know, it's not really a problem that China owns, owns more than a trillion dollars worth of debt. It's that anybody owns a trillion dollars worth of debt. From a standpoint of stability, if, if I hold, if, if somebody owes me more than a trillion dollars, I'm not going to want to try and destroy them, try and destroy their financial. You know, so there's stability in interrelated economies. I always felt one, one of the better ways of uh, preventing nuclear holocaust is send about 100,000 American kids over to Russia and 100,000 Russian kids over to America. And you can pretty well take uh, first strike off, off the table from that standpoint. So uh, we have to stop looking at the world as black and white. We have to realize there's, there is a lot of gray. We don't have to agree with everybody. We don't have to condone everything everybody does. But it sure would be nice if, if we didn't look at every current adversary as irredeemably evil. You know, whether you believe it or not, it seems like Saudi Arabia is trying to uh, reform, become more modern, offer more rights to women, for example. That's a good thing. It's something we should encourage. You know, just cutting them off and saying, you know, we don't want your dirty money. We don't want you investing in anything. The fact of the matter is, it's our money that has filled their coffers. So, again, anybody that wants to blast the PGA for uh, helping the Saudi sports wash. And by the way, I don't think there's any way you can wash away the stain of the Khashoggi murder or some of these other human rights. Uh, so they, they can spend billions, but they're not going to wash away that stain. But anybody who wants to accuse the PGA of sports washing, well, do you drive a car? Do you use oil? Well, you're, you're, is, you're complicit in it as well. So, I mean, it's just a reality of the world. I guess on that last point, a part that is uh, a little somewhat concerning to me is the part of the agreement that basically is the, the non-disparagement clause from the agreement in terms of it, it certainly seems like this this money that's going to come in from the Saudis is going to you know bite the it, the players are not going to be able to speak their minds on any of these human rights issues right that's where I the, the sports washing uh, part rubs me the wrong way I know a lot of people kind of have their own dividing line on where they feel in this morally and, and on, on that spectrum if you will and it's a complicated thought but that's the part that I don't really know how to answer at this point or I don't know what your your job is or your guys job is in this as well so well again I don't know what that anti-disparagement clause how it would actually be implemented or how it could be enforced I mean you you cannot limit an individual's free speech so I would expect players they could they could rip into Saudi Arabia as much as they want to. It's, it's their choice. Uh, do they want to get any bonus money from the Saudis or, or not? I mean, that'll be their choice. Uh, and you saw uh, the players that didn't choose to engage in the big payday and the players that did. 
And you're not going to put that genie back in the box. So, you know, I'd like to see all the top players compete. We can see that in the majors nowadays. I, you know, again, I, I don't want to speculate in terms of how this all uh, turns out. All I know is I think it's going to be a, a difficult road. I, I, don't, I don't think there's necessarily any assurance that this is going to be put together and approved by anybody anyway. So uh, all we can do, all this hearing will really accomplish is hope, hopefully lay out the facts, uh, allow the PGA to, to relay their perspective, you know, how they're between a rock and a hard place. And they, they, they try to figure out some way to preserve the game of golf. And, and uh, again, prime, the PGA is for the benefit of the players. It's a player-run organization. I think it's interesting over, over the, the weeks to hear a little bit of softening from some of the players realizing, yeah, well, you know, didn't like being in the dark, but I don't know how else you, you could accomplish something like that and negotiate something when you're, you're telling six privileged players and not the rest of, of the, the, the field. So again, it's, it's a tough situation. I think that's the, the main thing I want to be able to listen to the hearing is let the American public understand this is a really tough thing that the PGA is having to deal with here. And I guess kind of cut them some slack. I guess yeah, that's where it, it kind of comes down to to me for as far as government intervention in this is if you if if the, this is a theory here, I'm going to float. I again, I haven't even fully made my my mind up on this, but you know, if you if the deal does not go through, I think the PGA Tour is in a very very bad spot, and I think the competitive golf structure has a very large possibility of shifting over. Uh, maybe not entirely, but very heavily in favor of the Saudis. And is that in the best American interest? And is that, you know, that's, that's a, that's a question I would have. I got two remaining questions for you. Do you, would let, you let me just, let, let me just add though, you know, my, my concern, I've expressed this to, to chairman Blumenthal. I don't want us screwing things up. And I think that there's a possibility of us doing that. I, I think the P, PGA's probably made as best of a bad situation as they could. And I just don't want—I don't want to interfere with uh, them moving forward on this. Do, would you consider this to be an issue that divides pretty clearly amongst party lines? It shouldn't. It really shouldn't. I, I don't. Again, I'm, I'm expressing—you know—my my belief that uh, we probably ought to, for the time being, stay out of this and give give the parties a, a chance to come up with the final deal. But listen, I, I think we can play a constructive role at the same time. I mean, if this hearing garners enough attention and we can give the PGA an opportunity to lay out their perspective, you know, I could be proven wrong. This may have been a really good thing for us to hold this hearing. That's what I'm going to try and accomplish as as best I can is to make this a constructive hearing and and a very informative one. Last question. On June 6th, Jay Monahan was on television. He said, uh, when talking about the deal, mentioned taking a competitor off the board. That certainly seemed like the wrong thing to say in that moment. Will those words in any way play, come back to, to haunt the PGA Tour in any way? Or is this, is this something that was, it was obvious that it was going to be scrutinized from the antitrust perspective anyways? You know, pr- pr- probably not. Uh, you know, the lawyers probably wouldn't like him saying that, but it's, it's honest and it's, it's obvious. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, that, and again, that, that's not, it, it's just truthful. It, it, if, if you want the top players competing the way I want them com- competing, there can only be one. Yeah. There, there can only be one league. You, otherwise, you're going to have it split. I mean, we've already got, to a certain extent, the split with the DP World Tour and Asian Tours, that type of thing. But, and I don't want them feeling this disparaged. They are the lesser tours. The, the top players of those tours, they come over to America. They get houses in Florida and they compete on the PGA tour. That's what happens because it's the top tour. It's, it's the natural order of things. And I, I wouldn't want any entity splitting up 
that natural order that produces, and I'll say it again, you know, maintains the purity of the competition. And, and again, I, I just think of any game because you don't have refs making bad calls. You don't, you know, golf is as pure a competition as you can get. It, and, and, it's, and it's so individual. You're relying on only yourself. And there's so many aspects to it. There's so many different shots. It's just a great game. And I, I want to see the, you know, from Francis Wimette, the greatest game, you know, greatest, what is it, greatest game ever played or whatever the name of that book was. I mean, those moments in golf are just precious. And I, I want to make sure they're preserved. Well, that's certainly what what I like about golf. It's putting the pieces back together is going to be uh, it's going to be very interesting to follow on a daily basis for probably years to come. But, uh, Senator, we greatly appreciate. It. I know you're a busy man, but we appreciate you stopping by and giving us perspective. And we look forward to to learning a bit more about this uh, here in the coming days. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me on. I'm happy to come back because uh, I really enjoyed your analysis. I really did. Well, thank you very much. We will gladly gladly take you up on that. So, best of luck next week. Thank you. Take care. Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. That's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. 